Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Post Football. Intruding into the business end of the season. Title challenges, races for Europe, promotions, relegations, it's all happening. And where better to get all the latest on these happenings in Ukrainian football alongside plenty of extras? Ukraine Plus Football is here to cater to those very needs. As always, Andrew is alongside me. Andrew, hope you've been well. We're going to jump across to you a little later because this weekend has been a special weekend in the PFL, and we're really glad that Ray has jumped away for 60 minutes from his celebrations. Hope you're well, mate. Can you just share with our listeners everything that's gone on over the weekend in general? The only urban uh, neighbourhood team in Ukrainian football has finally promoted to the Premier League, and I don't feel anything right now. It's completely, I'm in complete emptiness, and it's I'm speechless to be honest. And not much to say, you know. It's been, it's hasn't been just a weekend or two weeks. It's been eleven years coming up from the last time we were in the Premier League, and thirty-one year in general. If you talk about the year when Obolon Kiev was founded in nineteen ninety-two as an academy club from the North Kiev, where I grew up, and obviously. Um, yeah, I've been I've been chatting with you guys about it all along, and yeah, it's it's hard to find any words for that. It's just that you have to. It feels like you have to sober up, <laughs> and I'll try to do that today. Uh, I'll try my best. But the point is, uh, it's you realize you have to move on. Like your dream come true, and as I said, you it's it's you're empty inside, but you realize that uh, you cannot just hang on to it. As you said, Adam, previously, like we we've, we've been chatting today. You said that UPL is not the biggest step, of course. Of course, my ideal step for now in two years would be the UECL, the Conference League. But again, for that, my point is like I'm I'm always been supporting Oblon because this is my local club. This I supported this club after my father brought me to the game, and um, for me, it's about this um, the land and this happiness is about the the pitch, the football pitch in my yard where I play football, I learned with others. And now we are sponsored by the beer company, obviously. And, and everybody says, even the um, general population, as you as you say, uh, they think that Obolon uh, has 10-year-old history because in 2013, Obolon been re- reloaded, restarted as a 100% uh, brewery club, a club owned by the world-renowned uh, uh, beer corporation Oboland from the same place but it, it hasn't been like that for me and the other fans hard, hard die hard fans which are uh, obviously still with us but um my point is the next step would be getting rid of the brewery i'm gonna go as far as saying that because we've been we, we've wasted 10 years waiting for that i i will be as direct as that it's been always someone else, always blaming referees, always blaming someone, somebody, but except us. 
And we're the club been run all this time as an old school Ukrainian way in the worst case scenario, just like URSR, not independent Ukraine, but just like they did 30 years ago or 40 years ago. That's how the club being controlled. And that is not the way the world has moved on. That's why if we want to talk about the development of the club, we need new sponsorship. Otherwise, we need to be relegated straight away. And maybe then people start thinking about stuff. But I'm just saying it. I had to be vocal about it. And that's my point of view. I hope we'll be discussing even more optimistic stuff than that. But as I said, I try to sober everyone up. Powerful words there, Ray. Very powerful words. Now, on the other side of the coin, of course, Andrew, we've had the team that will hopefully no longer be sponsored by a brewery. Well, we've got the supermarket sweepers as well have joined them going up to the UPL. What's going Any chance they're going to shake off their Dale Winton brand logo for next season? Oh, I doubt it, Adam. But yeah, alongside, obviously, Oberlein, we've got Polisia that have confirmed their promotion to the UPL, their first ever promotion to Ukraine's top flight. Um, and I think a lot of people are expecting them to start putting a bit of a challenge in near the top of the table. Maybe not challenging the likes of Shakhtar just yet, but certainly coming in as a a new force that will be challenging for some sort of European spots with the amount of money and funding that they've got from one of the richest people in Ukraine, billionaire Enadi Butkevich, who owns a massive uh, supermarket chain in Ukraine, some other business ventures as well. And speaking on that, next week, uh, Oberloin and Polisia will face off against each other, which you could say potentially could be a title decider because there's a point between them in the race at the moment. But then on top of that, in the final game of the season, Oberloin have got Karpathy. So, you know, it's looking like you know, if you go from the bookies odds, that Polisia will probably take the championship and then see if they can continue with that next season. And a special or a big fan of Polisia, who's very good friends with Butkevich as well, is uh, Ukrainian heavyweight champion boxer Alexander Usyk, who I think this season at some point, I can't remember exactly when, said that if they do get promoted, he will play for them in the Ukrainian Premier League. I don't think that means by any means he's going to play for them all season or anything like that. But, you know, I wouldn't put it past them giving him some kind of debut, you know, a one a one game contract where he comes in off the off and, uh, you know, makes headlines again. Because Polisa are pretty sharp when it comes to their media marketing kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that will be very interesting overall. Just to add up to the all whole BFL uh, title race. Uh, Oberlin has already achieved the unbelievable because that's been their third promotion in the history after 2002-2009. And that makes me thinking about the team as uh, La Boloneta, just like La Scaloneta of the Argentinian national team, which won three champ- world championships and got three stars. Same with Oberlin. I mean, that's the connection I tried to make. Uh, but uh, I'm just doing it in advance because I know Oberlin would, would not probably go for the title, knowing the club and knowing their ambitions. But just saying, magic. Now, with promotion battle kind of sewn up and just the championship to be decided, 
all eyes will now focus on the playoff spots with Carpati, LNZ and Metalog all in the mix. Ray, who do you see missing out from those three? Yeah, if we talk about the other guys, um, it's obviously Carpata and LNZ, the money bags. As we've been talking about the new strength, new powers, new, new powerhouses in Ukrainian top division, uh, which, I mean, if we know history and history tells us something, they don't last that long, especially when we're talking about a boxer paying for paying on playing on demand for a football team in UPL. What are we talking about? But anyway, uh, I don't I don't think Metal Zaporizhia is going to run for that because uh, they are run by the city council and these clubs just don't survive in the, world, in the world of football. It's just not how it's done. Once again, if we talk about healthy uh, football developments and how the football should be played. So obviously, Karpati with the rich history with, uh, I mean, maybe finally they got everything sorted out back there and they're going to be the Karpati we know. Same as the LNZ the guy's just been another uh, agricultural club, uh, which their their name, LNZ, in Ukrainian means the uh, um, agricultural plants for seeds and grains, something like that. It's, it's just LNZ, guys. And don't, don't bother with that. But the point is, yes, they, I see them in UPL. And, oh, well, they still need to uh, win the playoffs. And talking about playoffs, we got some competition there. We certainly have. We'll come across to that in a little bit, first of all. We can't have a show without discussing the title race. And it's, I mean, it seems to be hotting up a little bit. Could be one of the, the closest for a number of years. Um, Andrew, been a little bit of controversy, though, with the VAR and the like going on. Absolutely. It's um, over the past few weeks, there have been a, a few suspect decisions, can we say, in a number of games involving. Uh, both Shakhtar, both Nipro One, and you know it, it's all coming to a head, obviously, because both of them want to win the win the title. Um, I think a few weeks ago, the most prominent one, or one of the most prominent ones, was Shakhtar uh, conceded against Minai when the ball crossed the line, and it just wasn't given because there's no goal line technology in Ukrainian football. And there was also no VAR at the game. So there was all this sort of uh, shouting about the fact that we need VAR and everything like that. And then after this game, uh, Shakhtar came out and said, listen, we're going to be buying two VAR machines for the UPL so that it can be used um, and so that there should be more coverage across all of the games. And similarly, we've been talking about Polisia earlier on in the pod and Penedy Butkevich is also pledged to buy one VAR machine to come into the UPL, I assume, because they're going to be promoted next season as well. So I think in total that might mean that you Ukrainian football as a whole is going to have like six or so, six or so VAR machines um, in the league. And VAR machines isn't just like a TV screen, by the way. It's like a massive haulage truck that's got, you know, screens and servers and plenty of other things in there to ensure that whoever's going to be sitting in there can work it all out and that kind of stuff. And on top of that, as well as all of that, you also need training for the referees in the UPL or in Ukraine in general to be able to use the technology and to do it properly. So our friend of the pod, Vova Zverov from Profitball Digital, he's been talking about this this week as well and says that 
we probably won't be expecting to see any of these new VAR machines in Ukrainian football until at least the new year, just because of logistics, um, getting all of the sort sorting everything out that we're we've been talking about recently in terms of those machines get uh, buying them abroad apparently they cost around 300k euros uh, per machine bringing it all over then training some referees on it which might take up to six months as well so yeah don't be expecting any rapid improvements anytime soon but nonetheless uh it's it's good thing that it has started become a topic of conversation and that some of these clubs want to want to instill it and make it a lot more fairer because it's ridiculous to have a couple games per match day with VAR and then others with none. It just makes next next to no sense that, you know, it's like some matches are more equal than others. And then, yeah, there's obviously always issues with VAR decisions as well in certain games, like there was when I think Dnipro uh, won based off against... Alexandria uh, last week there was a very suspect penalty for Nazarenko who just fell on the floor Ruslan Rotan got very angry with some of the Dnipro 1 staff he got sent off their assistant got sent off all of this kind of stuff and I'm sure there probably will be a bit more of this shouting and screaming over the remaining games of the season so we will see it is quite tight but at the moment Shaftara pulling away slightly per se, and they've got Dnipro 1 and Zoria coming up in the next two slash three match days. So that's going to be super interesting to see how they go with that because Dnipro 1 obviously beat them in the winter just before the winter break and Zoria looking like a very good team in the UPL. I mean, some people are even calling them now possible hotshots for second place. Um, because Nipro 1 have been faltering a bit recently, getting scraping victory slash draws, etc. So Nipro 1 and Zoria, I don't think, face each other before the end of the season. So that's the only that's the only issue that I think um, it's sort of not in their own hands. But nonetheless, they look good. And I mean, I think that when it comes to sort of qualifying for the Europa League, which they will be going in as in the playoffs, um, I think they're going to be in a lot better stead than they were at the start of last season when, I don't know, they made a few interesting signings, but it seemed all a bit disjointed. Now they've got a great forward in um, Eduardo Guerrero. He looks really good. The centre forward that they've brought in on loan from Maccabi Tel Aviv, who apparently might actually be getting bought permanently for 500k. And I mean, 500k euros is no small uh, feat for Zoria. Knowing, you know, back in the day when um, Zahidi cost 750 and that was like big money. <laughs> so it will be interesting, um, 100%. And I'm very much looking forward to this uh, title rundown. I will be in Ukraine for the games. So fingers crossed that, you know, there is going to be some entertainment and I guess jeopardy to the very last. Dinamo seems to have turned a corner under the new manager. What seems to have clicked in place there and any chance of them scraping third spot? Nah, I think that's a bit too far fetched, uh, <laughs> even for, for Dinamo's sake. And I mean, I feel that Dinamo probably on the face of the season don't deserve a medal just with how they've played, in all honesty. Um, they've not been too bad under 
Sasha, as in Alexander Shrovkovsky, who's currently the caretaker manager. And some people say even temporarily. Um, he has been in all four games, won three of them, three on the bounce, and obviously lost to Tron Moritz against a very well-oiled um, Odessa side that Hirohorchuk seems to have finally got some clicking to go ahead there. And bringing in Alaferenko from Zoria on loan, he's been a revelation. I think he's got nine goals in his last eight, in his eight games for the club. It's It's pretty astonishing. And he's been playing really well. And I mean, if they hadn't had such a bad start to the season, Trondomoritz, you know, you probably would have wanted them to maybe be challenging Alexandria a bit for that fifth spot. Whereas Alexandria right now, pretty comfortable going into these final games because they've got a big enough gap. And I mean, they probably can be safe assured, even with another few draws, as Ruslan Rotan loves, um, that they will be able to secure that. Uh, Dinamo, though, I mean... The current question is what the hell's happening with the management? Uh, I don't think, well, Alexander Shrovkovsky will be kept on if the rumours that we've been hearing are true. So um, our good friend uh, Bakaru Banza, Piotr Szlonka, who is a Polish journalist who's got very close ties with, uh, you know, sources at Dynamo Kiev and elsewhere. He, this week, uh, has mentioned that Luchewski will be back once he's recovered from his operation, he will be back to fulfil the last year of his contract at Dynamo, which ends in the summer of 2024. So if that is true, um, I don't know, it's not the most positive of um, news for Dynamo fans, 100% and guarantee that. And similarly, uh, it, Dynamo, I don't know, They've been getting these results, they're the best of the rest, but you still worry for them. Like that team just probably doesn't have enough in there to do very well in Europe. And I mean, unless they make some signings of some sort in the summer, which I mean, based on their recent history, they haven't done much. You got to worry for them. You know, the UPL is all well and good. You know, a lot of teams not got much to play for in terms of sort of the mid table sides and all that kind of stuff. But if they can't, you know, find a, a proper, first of all, strategy and some sort of game plan, which, I mean, they've been coming out and winning recent games. They've not been by math, by massive amounts. It's just literally, they look a bit more structurally organized and better, you know, pound for pound on paper. And that's what's getting them over the line. When it when it comes to sort of a fresh season and playing against other teams probably of higher quality in in Europe and it looks like Dynamo will be in the Conference League playoffs, you know they don't even have the fallback of if they if they for example finish third they'd have the Europa League and if they f that up they drop into the Conference League they don't even have that fallback plan now it's literally they've got to make it through and I mean personally I I worry for them at this stage. Well, we, earlier we had Ray putting a dampener on the Obelon spirit, and now we've had Andrew putting a dampener on the Dynamo spirit. So uh, we're going to be welcome back in Kiev sometime soon. Uh, Ray, earlier on you mentioned about the relegation battle and who's who's going to be replacing Obelon in the PFL. How good is it to say that? I mean, 
How's it looking down there? I mean, Lviv seemed to be gone, but elsewhere, what's the state of play? All right. So, uh, Sylviev, the um, the unknown team for many, many people, they, they've signed as much as many players as Nottingham Forest. If you talk about Ukrainian Premier League standards, I mean, they signed more than 10 players in the winter. Doesn't seem to help out. And as I mentioned before, their, their figure of their um, invincible coach, Vesmetny, uh, doesn't play out neither because of his probably shady. Uh, background if we talk about agents and player relationships but yeah they seem to be going down big time also metalist might be joining them or it's or Ruch, Vinicky or Minai it's still open uh, for discussion but the distance between metalist is currently five points and Varus beat metalist 1925 which did not actually conclude their uh, stay in Premier League but they might as well end up in the relegation spot and it would be fair because uh metalist is definitely a club which is uh, associated and um straight has a straight connection with uh Nip, um with the team from uh, the Dnipro city and well it's something we need we don't want to see in the Ukrainian Premier League obviously um so far if you ask if you will if we start looking into next season it's it's it seems like a not a completion, but definitely a next step to the revitalization of the top division. Because as we've been discussed all along, we have a gap between even between top teams and the second half of the uh, table. And now, given the fact that more quality Persian Liga sides and more quality amateur or Druga Liga sides are joining the Persia respectively next season, like Liverpool with good infrastructure, it seems like. Uh, there's more to come here. And also, if we talk about title race, just to, for a little bit, the UPL title race, that is, um, of course, Zoria might end up second, but I wouldn't be so excited about it because, uh, again, their management is one of a kind as well. They recently celebrated their 100 years anniversary. And this club has a rich history. I mean, they were the former championship of uh, Red Empire back in 1972 and in independent history of Ukraine they've been doing well but again it's um, I'm rooting for them because I told you before Shakhtar and Zorish have to finish top two Donetsk and Luhansk that is and uh, yeah so far it's looking good I don't see Lechesko coming back next season though but um, I wish Alexandria also finished in the Europa League spot but we have Krivbas coming up like four points away from them and still up, up for grabs. And it's still time for briefcases, remember? Yes, and speaking about briefcases, uh, there have been claims over the past few weeks, whilst we haven't had a pod, that um, Metalists have been involved in some betting irregularities where... There have been matches where a lot of people have put money, hyper money on, you know, high scores and certain things that have happened in games involving FC Metalist and the UAF Gambling Committee, or I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they're investigating into that. So that's going to be quite interesting to see whether there's going to be any resolution out of that. And I mean, you know, Metalist are now second bottom. There is still a chance of them surviving. However, up until the week before, uh, 
They were on a 17-game winless streak, won, then lost again. <laughs> They've got other teams around them that are in quite poor form as well. Um, so who knows? But like like expected, Lviv, I think very quickly, possibly as soon as the next match, they could be relegated from the UPL, albeit Iroka trying their very best to stay in the relegation rap battle as, as best as they possibly can. And then whoever else joins them, I think, um, will be coming soon. And just to sort of wrap up this particular section, in Hullets, there's news coming out of them that they will be playing at their new stadium from the start of next Ooh. season. Uh, the stadium that we visited on our tour that was about half built uh, back in the summer 2021. Oh, top of the hill. <laughs> so that will be interesting to see. Fingers crossed that does happen because the stadium that they've been playing at right now, the one in uh, in Petrova, that's like from the full view of the pitch, you can see just uh, sort of the toilets where people, the toilet building where people are just like walking in and out of going, going for a piss or something. Um, so, you know, you, you, we want the more modern uh, aspects of everything that's going on and, you know, sticking just with this venue and location topic. Dnipro Din, Dnipro 1, they're expected to return to Dnipro City next season and play at Dnipro Arena again. So they will no longer be based in Ushorod, where they have been for the whole of this season. Um, and on top of that, as a result, because they were based in Ushorod, they always commuted to Kosice for their Euro European games in Slovakia. It's more than likely that they will be based in Poland. And that's coming from Ihor Borobas, who's been uh, reporting that over the past week or so. So that'll be interesting to see as well. It, it, I think it will not be too dissimilar from what Krivbas are doing, to be honest. They're playing in Dnipropetrovsk Oblast. They get quite a lot of um, air raids, sort of either delaying or cancelling games, but they continue and, you know, there's not been actually any issues in finishing any of those games. So more spirit to them. However, I guess the issue will be for Dnipro 1 is attracting the talent that they sort of have this year to ensure that they do go to Dnipro. Because it's obviously easier to be based in Ushorod. If you do want to leave, go to the EU very quickly. You can literally pop out uh, the Slovakia border and get on a plane. Whereas, you know, Dnipro... Coming from there, it's going to take a lot more uh, time uh, and effort. But yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, definitely interesting. Moving on across Europe, I mean, for me, this has been you know, one of the great things about this season is the the transfers involving Ukrainian talent to some of the, the bigger clubs in European football. And there's been success. There's been less success. But I. Andrew, how, how's, how's it going in general? I mean, speaking over about the past weekend, uh, we've seen Ilya Zabarny get his first start in the Premier League. In, you might be able to say, a bit of a dead rubber a game between two sides that are, might be on the beach because both of them are more or less safe. Bournemouth actually secured safety after the game that Zabarny featured in was finished but they will be staying up in the Premier League next campaign. So they were all when when he first signed, we were slightly concerned. Maybe he might have a season in the Championship or something like that. Would he get loaned out in the summer or anything else? But no, he's going to be in the Premier League next season with Bournemouth. Unlikely that he's going to be moving anywhere. And it seems like Gary O'Neill, 
the manager, has got good faith in him. He spoke highly of him. Um, a lot of fans I've been reading on Twitter as well, they said that they like the look of him. One of the only positives in the 2-0 loss uh, against Crystal Palace. And fingers crossed that he might become uh, the starting centre-back in, uh, in a two-partnership there. Whilst we're on the topic of relegation, of course, uh, Everton, as things stand, are still in trouble. Whereas Bournemouth are mathematically safe, they can't go down. You know, no matter what happens, no goal difference, none of that is even coming into it. Whereas Everton, I think, point off the drop zone. And by the time this has been released, they might even be in the drop zone if Leicester somehow pulls something out against uh, Liverpool. But, I mean, I think those chances are quite low as well. It's going to be an interesting sort of final two match days in the in the Premier League. I think no one really had any expectations for Everton to beat Man City. And McCollincoe was actually injured for that game. And I think probably all for the better um, to avoid that game. So maybe he can come back and be fresh for those final two matches that are are must win. And I mean, I don't think they're the easiest either. If if we look at those uh if we look at those fixtures, you've got you've got Everton facing Wolves away and Bournemouth at home on the final day. So possibly it could work out in their favour because they have they are playing against two sides that have got nothing to play for. Um so fingers crossed, as long as that happens, McCollincoll will have another season in the Premier League. And I mean, Thorn Deitch seems to be utilizing him quite a lot. He's been improving over recent matches after, you know, a shaky kind of mid-spring period where they were playing against um, some difficult sides and were just, you know, mess at the back. That all seems to be going okay. Um, if we go to maybe mid-table, Mihailo Mudrik, he's not been featuring too much in and out of the team again. I mean, I don't think there's too much to read into him until next season, personally. But the main news there is... Maurizio Pochettino is going to be his new manager. So that's going to be interesting. Can Pochettino mould him into a player like Pochettino moulded Son at Spurs? That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, we we know that he also liked to uh, use Lucas Moura uh, when he was Spurs manager. So he knows how to get the best out of wingers. Fingers crossed they can do something about that, I guess, one of the main things that will aid Mudrik a lot is obviously game plan, which never going to get under Lampard. And secondly, a centre forward that he can try and help play off slash feed. And I think maybe that might improve productivity as a whole. Elsewhere, of course, Zinchenko with Arsenal coming into the title race, very final echelons of it. It looks like Arsenal probably won't be the champions just based on the fact that City look in one of those moods where they're unstoppable. But he actually might not feature in any of that because there is the concern that he's injured. However, he's been photoed in training. However, he didn't feature against Brighton at all this weekend. So it's all a bit up in the air. We'll see if he comes back before the end of the season. Fingers crossed he does because there have been even rumours by Vuzbirna, they've been reporting, he's going to be out of the Ukraine national team fixtures in June, which obviously they're not the hardest opponent, but you'd probably want one of your best players and leaders on the pitch to, to be there to try and 
get you over the line in some very important games. So we'll see what happens regarding that. And elsewhere, over in Spain, Sigankov, and I have to apologise, I did write him off when the transfer went through, but he seems to be taking a key role in Girona's surprise march towards a conference league place. The, the newly promoted team, who are under ownership of Citigroup, uh, looking likely to what I, what I believe is their first ever qualification for European football, which will be absolutely superb for him. Now, Andrew briefly mentioned there the June Sabina games and will Zinchenko play. I think, uh, boys, more importantly, will there be a manager? Well, according to um, UAE football or some, some kind of UAE page, they believe that Serhir Abrov will be leaving the club this summer. And, you know, if everything that we've been talking about over the past <laughs> few months um, comes to a head, maybe he might be coming to Zbirna. Uh, Andri Pavalko, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago even, mentioned that there will be a new manager in place for these games, which means that Ruslan Rodin will not be returning. He can calmly take care of the under-21 Euros, see that preparation through, whereas a new manager will be coming in. But there's obviously been absolutely next to no news. I think the Slavon Bilic stuff was bollocks in the end. Um, it seems that the fact that there are no other candidates or anything like that, that Rebrov would be the logical person to come in. And as far as I'm aware, they finished second in the UAE League. Um, and they've still got the League Cup to play for. So there are still a few matches to play for before Rebrov does end up leaving officially. And on top of that, in Andy Pavelko's Facebook post, when he mentioned it, he said that we will announce it once it's convenient for both us and the manager. So that also sort of speaks, sort of read between the lines saying, oh, we got to wait until both of these things add up. So wait and see and you know it seems it seems possible that Rebrov will be coming into Ukraine and I think a lot of people will be surprised if it isn't him or and it's some complete shock left field person or even Rotan getting the job permanently which I mean even from sort of Pavelko's uh, cryptic standard sometimes I don't think that he's going to be he's referring to that uh this moment in time and on top of that on the topic of Alain the same source that mentioned that Rebrov will be leaving at the end of the season also said that Yarmolenko will be leaving at the end of the season. He's not actually had that bad of a return. He got 11 goals in the end um, in in the league, I think, out of like 20, 20 plus or so appearances. Um, still got chance for a League Cup, sadly lost in the President's Cup, which I think is like the equivalent of the FA Cup. It was like a massive extra long penalty shootout in that one. Jan Malenko scored in both both of his opportunities, ended up losing that. If he does leave, the question is, where is he going to go? Some people are saying Dynamo Kiev. Somehow doubt that at this moment in time. Other people talking about Turkey, other people talking about somewhere else. Who knows? Uh, you know, none the wiser um, about that one and whether that's even confirmed or anything. So that will be interesting to see. Just to add on, before we finish with the Sabina section, Pavalko's lawyer 
did confirm that Ukraine had been removed from the World Cup 2013 hosting application. You may recall, I think they were going to be part of the Spain, Portugal amalgamation and Spain have now looked and said Morocco's a bit closer. I think that's sort of been the... Well, well, no, the actual the lawyer has claimed that due to the court proceedings about Pavelko, he's currently in court, obviously, and yeah. keeps on being suspended from his role as the UAF president. But it's sort of because it's in an appeal process, he can continue in his role. Because of all of this, the lawyer has said that as a result of the sort of proceedings, uh, inverted commas, the vendetta against him and all that kind of stuff that World Cup 2030 has sort of been removed from the from the agenda kind of thing in terms of Ukraine. So I, whenever that's going to be official, I don't know, but you know, time will tell. Thank you for that. Now, Ray, uh, we always love finishing off with a, a nice, happy story. And there was a real feel-good story coming out of Brazil, wasn't there, a few weeks ago with Mariupol. Uh, what exactly was, was happening there? All I can say is that in Latin America, in Brazil, there is a football club, which uh, Batel, which uh, has uh, commemorated and uh, paid respects and uh, acknowledged FC Mariupol. They changed their name for uh, a couple of games, maybe five, I'm not really sure. And they changed their kit as well. They adopted the FC Mariupol logo. They have been doing that because of a large number of Ukrainian diaspora in this area of Brazil, which is a great uh, gesture and a great sign and great um, flash mob. Um, let's leave the fact that FC Mariupol itself was a club of its own back in the day, but now we know what's going on and we appreciate that. And it's very important to remember the clubs which... For, will forever be Ukrainian, no matter what. Absolutely. And and just to wrap up on the Mariupol topic, uh, Andriy Sanin, the vice president of FC Mariupol, he recently confirmed on Facebook that they won't be returning for 23-24 season. Obviously, they had the opportunity to have a hiatus this year. And at the moment, it's obviously unknown when they will return. Basically, they've got... Uh, he said that it will take after the victory and after Mariupol is liberated, it will still take up about to nine to 12 months to fully recover and rebuild the club in terms of staff, training structure and everything else. And even just the past week, we've seen a load of Russian uh, football ultras uh, who are in this sort of made up battalion, uh, sort of firing off loads of guns and stuff at the Volodymyr Boyko Stadium. Uh, which wasn't the best sight to see. But it's good to see that there are positive stories like this one from Brazil. The fact that a lot of people in Brazil were talking about this and even across Europe as well, sort of how unique it was, even if it is temporarily five, six games. Um, it's just a great gesture and fingers crossed that it will sort of continue to allow people to be talking about topics such as this and, and plenty of others. Very well, sir. Um, it's always important to make sure Ukrainian stories, news, information remains front and foremost in people's minds as they go about their daily lives. Well, that's it for our sharing of the news today. 
uh, hope everyone's enjoyed it as much as I have. But till next time, take care, stay safe, and we should potentially have the champion for the 2022-23 season crowned. Goodbye till then. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,